As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nebuchadnezzar, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nebuchadnezzar will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn them, because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. While we're still standing, we're going to take a moment to read our last liturgical reading, which is the collect for a prayer for the mission of the church. Um, earlier on, I prayed that we are a part of the big church, and we know there's many churches around right now within our city, within our state, and within our nation and world, and that we know that there is persecution for those who are believers. So we pray for all those around the world right now. If you want to read, um, read it with me, and it says here, O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek to find you, bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit upon all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Holy Spirit and God now and forever. Amen. You all may be seated. Church, you may be seated. I have a bad habit whenever we do our liturgical readings. I'm always listening to the loudest person who's really saying it. And I keep, I keep pace and tone with them sometimes. So I'll be like slowing down and speeding up and such like that. When I was a kid, um, as a part of our scripture, I, I, I know I lead in with stories and stuff. Um, I remember, and I don't remember a ton of like church songs. I don't know, do y'all do church songs when y'all were kids? Like, I don't, I'm not, people like VeggieTales, and I'm like, I didn't even know what VeggieTales was until I was like 12. Ethan loves VeggieTales. That's his, he will fight you over some VeggieTales and stuff like that. But the only song I, I, I like remember to my core is the song about Jonah. It's like, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. Anybody know this song? He made quite a tasty dish. Now, this is... I, listen, listen, this is, I don't know why I remember this song. And it just, it, it said, he made quite a tasty dish, something, something, oh, what a whale of a whale of a tail. And I, I, nobody remembers it, nobody, is it just me? Every time I come up here, maybe I just had hood songs as a kid. I don't know. I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, so maybe we were on two different wavelengths. West Virginia was just not on it, though. That, that's the only reason I remember that is that he made quite a tasty dish. It was a whale of a whale of a tail and such like that. And then the theology, the big theology people be like, it was a fish, not a whale. And I'm like, we're getting into the weeds right now. Let's just preach the word of God and stuff. I just remember that tale. And I know it speaks into um, our, our sermon scripture today as Jesus Christ is on a tear right now. He has taken this time to equip his disciples in Luke 9 and 10. He has sent them out. They brought back more disciples. And now he's going to the temple. He's teaching to those who are around him. And he's preparing his disciples and knowing that he is going to take the cross and that he will be resurrected. We see here, and some of you all don't know, we do expository teaching. We take a book of the gospel and we teach through it through the whole year. 
I believe it's important for us not to just have subject-based teaching, which we do sometimes, but the subject-based teaching is also based off of the books that we're reading, but for people to understand the Word of God for themselves and how the whole and how um, it encompasses from the beginning to the end. So it's good for us in this whole sermon series that we started about a year ago on God's plan, the telling of God's plan to bring redemption to all people in the Gospel of Luke. So we see here we've been talking about signs. We've been talking about why they were important for Jesus Christ to show and to manifest his ministry. And he's being rebuked now by the ops. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. The ops are the opposition. The Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers who were coming up against Jesus Christ. And some of you all know I work on my attitude problem that I have sometimes because I like to rebuke people who were just blatantly wrong. And I see Jesus doing it and I say it's justified. I just have to learn to do it with a little more love and affection, right? But he's speaking directly truth to the powers that are at hand right now. The powers at hand and the people who are truly over the church right now are the Pharisees and the scribes, and they are disenfranchising people who are actually trying to learn about the gospel of God. They are putting laws upon people that are not in the book, and they are not themselves even following after the laws because they want selfish gain of their own. They want their name to be lifted up high as opposed to the name of God to be lifted up high. And they are not even seeing the true God who is standing before them because they have allowed themselves to be overtaken by evil. Jesus Christ does not stray away from this. Jesus Christ does not stray away in the New Testament and telling us that we are to rebuke the false prophets, those who are wrong and incorrect in teaching because they lead people astray. I've said this and God has put it on my heart that the greatest detriment to the church is not non-believers, but those who were in the church, those who were wolves in sheep's clothing, and those who are tearing the church apart because of their own selfish gain as opposed to lifting up the name of God. So we see here in the scripture, we talked last week about a house divided as they were trying to tell Jesus Christ that he was casting out demons in the name of in the name of Satan. And he rebukes them for that. And he tells them a warning also. He tells them that there is no neutrality in the kingdom of God, that when you are healed and when you receive that blessing, it is meant for you to be to take that blessing, receive that blessing and reciprocate it back to someone else. And you can't just sit on the blessing and say, God has healed me and do nothing with it. The call of God is discipleship and for us to help other believers to know who the true and living God is. This has become a passion of myself and as a pastor of a church that everybody knows that we're not just to sit in the pews, but to share the glory of God. So let your light so shine before men is the call that we have in our lives to live out the great commandment and the great commission. But he gives a true warning and he tells us that when we have miracles in our lives, when we are healed, when we have demons and and things in our lives and sin out of our lives, you cannot be neutral in the kingdom of God. You have to make a stand And if you stand in a place of neutrality, he tells us directly that the unclean spirits will come back seven times stronger, seven times stronger. He reminds us that these unclean spirits, they find unrest and they go back into the house that has been healed and and has a clear space. And he tells them that they come back and they will make a person worse off than they were before. It's a reminder to us that communion and community is important. Communion and community is important. I love that we have the online church, but the online church is not church. That is more like a commentary or for you to listen and to hear something. The God 
the true and living God has called us to be in unity, to be here at church. I'm not the greatest speaker, but I hope and I believe that the words of God that I'm speaking are truth in life and for you to take it and to receive it and that you have fellowship with God throughout your week. We don't just have Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursdays and special activities just to fill a calendar up. We have this because we know there are people who are suffering through real life situations. They need to have fellowship with the true and living God, not just on Sundays, but with individuals throughout the week to uplift each other. Because I'm the same person that's going to message and say, I need prayer this week. I'm, I'm struggling right now. I need strength and I know and I'm thankful for a church family that says I will uplift you in prayer during times of need. So we see here in the scripture, Jesus Christ rebuked the lady who made the awkward comment about blessed is the womb that you that you were born from. And he says, blessed is those who listen to the true word of God and apply it to their lives. And he continues on here and he starts to teach two different things. He's teaching about the sign of Jonah. And then he also starts to teach about the scripture, my papers and ribbons sticking together here. He also starts to teach about the queen of the south. So I want to focus on these two different dynamics and how they come together and teaching us on how Jesus Christ was talking about how he would be in the tomb for three days and resurrected. But also the greater miracle and what he's really teaching about is how people were presented with the word of God and they repented of their sins. That's the true miracle that we're going to talk about today. How people heard the word of God and they repented of their sins. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. So we see here Jesus Christ, he starts off by rebuking this evil and perverse generation. He just comes out swinging. Could you imagine if I just get up here and say, you going to hell, you going to hell, you're going to be the lead minister in hell, y'all going to hell. I hate all of you all. That's how Jesus Christ came out swinging. I love the fact that he didn't wait until the crowds dwindled, but he actually spoke directly to them as they got more, which means that as the crowds and more people started to come, he wasn't afraid to continue to speak the true and living word of God. He was able to speak because he knew of God. He says to them, this evil generation, this perverse generation demands a sign. And he says, I will give you no sign except for the sign of Jonah. He says, for just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, he says, so the son of man will be a sign to this generation. He's now speaking right now as to why miracles had to happen in previous verses, talking about they were to bring about and to show people the blessing of God. But now this also argues the case as to why we don't see miracles in our day and time. He starts to speak directly to them and telling them that the sign giver is more important than the sign because the sign can be missed. He's telling you, I've healed people, I've fed people, I've cast out demons, and you continue to look at me doing this work, and you rebuke me because you don't want to find me as righteous in the working that I'm doing, but you don't see the miracles in me as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, being the one to bring about these miracles. He's saying, I'm doing this work because I want people to come to repentance. Many people are always going to ask, well, show me a sign, show me the proof that Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ has given us the word of God. He's given us his Holy Spirit. The book and the word of God is a true living God. I remember um, going through some some, um, classes on the scholarliness of the gospel and the Bible, and it just talks about how you would have to put together a large group of people to try to build this together because they would have to falsify so many parts in history. You would have to falsify so much in the gospel itself to build this. And why would somebody go about that? But Jesus Christ has revealed himself to us as believers, and we are to be a witness to that. 
So he says to them right now, he's essentially saying that we, there's going to be a time when signs and miracles will cease because the Son of God is going to take the cross, he will take the tomb and be resurrected, and that will be one of the final signs that we see. We see in the book of Acts there are signs and miracles that continued, but those are signs that were for a special purpose, but we see now he's saying the greatest sign is me taking the tomb and being brought back up from it all. He says, you perverse and evil generation, because they rejected John the Baptist, they rejected the prophets before him. The adulterous nature of all this is this. They didn't want to see a sign and wonder for people to actually be blessed and healed. They wanted to see a sign and wonder so that they could take what he was doing and try to rebuke his good work for their own personal gain. Something I've had to learn this week is this. You can do all the greatest works in the world. You can heal people. You can feed people. You can go out and spend all your money. And there's always going to be the opposition to what you are doing because people are seeing the goodness of what you are doing and they're jealous because of it. And they want to actually live and have that manifested in their lives, but they aren't willing to actually heed to the word of God. People want the blessing, but they don't want Jesus Christ. And that is the core of it all. I want you to heal my family. I want, I want the blessing. I want the monetary gain is what they believe. But they don't want Jesus Christ to live and to check their life and to really actually change their life. Because the greatest blessing is this, is that you do not live in this evil place anymore. But you don't have to live by the affirmation of the world anymore. But you know the true and living God and how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and how much he wants you to be restored, that you listen to his words more than anything else. I've been praying a lot this week because I know my own self that I have a loud mouth sometimes. But it's to speak the truth of the gospel. And that your heart's desire sometimes will get you in trouble because it also convicts other people to do better and to do more. But I believe in the same way as Jesus Christ, when you have opposition, I believe you're in a good place. Because you're now opposing the evil of the world around us. You're allowing your light to so shine before men so that they know how much they are actually loved. Now we see here Jesus... He kicks it to the Old Testament. And Jonah, I'm not going to sing this song again. Okay, you're going to go home and be like, he got eight. Man, Farmer was tripping during service, talking about a well of a well of a tail. We didn't even take communion. I was all over the place. But Jonah, in this comparison, he, he gives a, an interesting comparison. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. That's, nobody talks about that. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh when we, we preached this gospel. Jonah was against it. He tried to fight it. He was like, I got to call him sick today, Jesus. Ah, my back is hurting. You know, I rebuked all these demons. And Jonah was a prophet before God. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because of the real life situation of Nineveh. The people were evil. They were warlike. And nobody would want to go there and preach the gospel. People talk about Jesus coming from Nazareth. They talk about, can anything good come from Nazareth? Jonah is like, I'm going to die if I go to Nineveh. He's in a self-preservation state right now. As many of us, when we look at the gospel, when we look at those who we're going to preach and teach to, when we opened up Risen City, people are like, why don't you start that on the east end of Charleston? Why don't you go to North Charleston? Do you realize where you're planting this church at, right? I've had more conversations in this last two weeks about what this area used to be. And I say, I don't care about the area used to be. I know what it can be when the gospel is applied to the area. They said they used to pour out crack over there in the playground area. I said, I don't care about that because we had a pastor beforehand, Norm Canada, who said, I'm going to apply the gospel to this area. Across the street used to be a place called the A&M Mart. It used to be the, the Sally's of the West Side. 
And people say that it was the hardest and roughest place in the area. And I said, I don't care, but I know what the gospel and what this can be when people take the word of God. Jonah didn't want to go. And he was in the belly of the beast for three days. He was delivered unto Nineveh and he preached the gospel. And the miracle of this situation isn't the fact that he was in the belly of the beast and he survived. It's the fact that he preached the gospel to a wicked and perverse generation and that they were able to be repentant because the word of God has the power to bring about salvation. He says, I am unashamed of the gospel in Romans 1, 1, 6, for it's the power of God to bring to salvation first then to the Jew and then to the Gentile. When we read that, it's like, why would you preach to the Gentiles? Those aren't people of God. Those aren't people who live for God. But he says, I see worth and I see value in them. So more so should we be able to say in our communities, I'll go to those who are suffering from addiction. I'll go to those who are on the corner who have no hope. I'll go to those whose houses are hungry. I'll go to those who the world deems is unlovable. And it's not my works and my actions because those will always be rebuked. Because they'll say we'll do it from selfish gain, but it's the gospel that goes forth that brings a change in people's lives and hearts. We see here he transitions and he talks about how the son of man was compared to Jonah. And it continues on and says the queen of the south will rise up up at judgment. And with these men of the generation, they will condemn. They will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. We see here. In 1 Kings verse 10, verses 1 through 4 and 7. I'm not going to go to it and read it. But this is talking about the story of the queen of the south was Queen Sheba. She's found in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And um, she is referred in here as this condemning of the, the, the generation because she came from such a long distance to see and to hear Solomon's wisdom. Whereas something greater than Solomon is presented now before this generation Jesus Christ. She's saying that he's saying here that they came and they 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 wanted to seek after Solomon and his worldly wisdom and his wisdom of the word of God. But now you have me in front of you and you're asking for a miracle still. He's reminding them in this moment and situation that the pagan queen of the south, Sheba, praised God and Israel when she heard Solomon's wisdom. And Solomon was full of faults, if we know Solomon. King Solomon wasn't the greatest person in the world. He was full of faults. He had a lot of bad things that came up against him, but God was able to still use him. So can he not still use us? That's a word right there. By contrast, Jesus was the perfect son of God, and he came to the people that he loved, and they rejected him. I want to remind you guys of this. Jonah didn't want to go and preach the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will have eternal life. Jesus Christ's desire was to be back in the place where he had the relationship with us as it was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And he so desired to do so that he said, I will go and be the sacrificial lamb so that my people can be redeemed. That's passion and love right there. The sign that Jesus brings is not just the death and the burial and the resurrection, but the preaching of repentance as Jonah preached and the giving of wisdom of Solomon. But he speaks to being the greater wisdom and the greater prophet than Jonah. Here's what I want you us to think about as we end out this service. So I said this last week, there's no neutrality in the kingdom of God. He, he, he straight up says in the scriptures, he says, if you're not for me, you're against me. 
Well, hey, listen, I don't want to offend anybody. The gospel is going to be offensive. It's going to hurt people because it's going to cause them to stop and to look at their sin in their lives. But I would rather we present the gospel and the truth of what it is than allow someone to go to hell in a handbasket. That is the truth of the matter. And this model of discipleship, it challenges us to be able to say, it's nice for me to sit in these pews. It's nice to hear the worship. I love being able to come in here and to listen and to worship God because I know when I was singing, one of the best, yo, y'all got me next week because Katie's going to be out. So y'all gonna have to deal with it. But here's what, I, what we have to say about this is that God is giving people an ultimatum to say Sunday worship is great. Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday is awesome. But he's challenging us in our lives to say, where do we actually stand with God? And how do we go about living out the great commandment and the great commission to love God and to love our neighbors and to spread the gospel by baptizing believers and making disciples? Because it's going to be uncomfortable. You know what? I, I love this, that verse from last week when they talked about how the woman said to the Messiah, he said he just she got it got kind of awkward and she just yells out, blessed is the womb and the bosom in which you came from and where you nursed from. But he still rebukes it and he says, rather praise and bless those who hear the word of God and keep it. It gets awkward sometimes. and It's easier for us just to say, well, praise God. Let me just praise. Praise God. How do you handle the rebuke? How do you handle God challenging your life? And this ultimatum, he says and he reminds us that the risk of condemnation from those of a former error and those who don't respond to the word of God can be harmful. The son of man is assigned to this generation in a sense to bring the word of God and be the light to all those people around him. Jesus issues both a rebuke and a sort of calling right now to say, listen, to understand what I'm going to do. He's giving a precursor to him taking the cross and being resurrected. He reminds him in this moment in time, he says, do not be evil and seek more miraculous signs. I've given sign after sign after sign after sign after sign. But now it's time for you to believe the word of God and repent of your sins. Believe the word that came to the Ninevites and repent of your sins. Believe the word that came to the queen of the south and repent of your sins. Signs and miracles did not come to the Ninevites, but when they heard the true word and the living gospel, they stopped and they repented. They did not need a sign. We do not need a sign anymore because we know who the true and living God is. And his Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he has called us to be bearers of his wisdom to the world around us. John 3 and 16, one of the most famous verses in the gospel. It says this here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. It continues on in verse 17. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believeth in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished before God. Jesus Christ is rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. 
He's rebuking those who called themselves believers. And he said, I'm calling you to be repentant of your sins. Next week's verses are from Luke 11 and 33 and 36. And he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar or underneath the basket, but on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eyes, I said, your eye is a lamp to your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care that, that take care then that the light that is in you is not darkness. And if there, and said, if therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it is darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as a lamp shines its light on you. God is telling us to shine our goodness and our light upon a world that is weary. As we go into November and December, statistically, this is when seasonal depression jumps in. People are hurting People are harmed. People are looking just for something good. They're looking for a blessing. How do we live as a blessing to those who are around us? God calls us to be a light to the world and the generation around us. And I pray today that he helps us to manifest his light and this love to this world around us. But he helps us by doing so, by not just giving the tangible blessings, not just giving the food out or going out because this is what everybody does during the holiday season. You do your generic, let me give out Thanksgiving baskets. Let me give out gifts to people. Let, 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 me, let me just bless you real quick. And you know what most of the time we do is we grab the cell phone and say, hey, let me just bless you real quick and let me post it online so that we ourselves can feel better about it because those likes sometimes are more affirmation than the word of God. He calls us right now to say, you have the true and living God living inside of you. Speak the true words of the gospel that can bring about repentance and the greatest blessing in the world. Someone coming to understand who Jesus Christ is and knowing his light and his love. Amen, church. Amen. We're going to close out our service with a time of prayer. Um, we end out service every single week and we ask God to help us to live out this gospel Help us to be bold in our proclamations in this world around us. Help us in a world that is more consumed with prosperity and being attractional to actually be the true and living God upon those who are in a world that have a great need. So we're going to take this time of prayer. And if anybody. Hey, guys, this is Michael Farmer, the pastor of Risen City Church in Charleston. We hope that you enjoy our podcasting of our service from Sunday. I hope that you enjoy it and that you'll join us in person on the west side of Charleston at our church location, 11 a.m., 1410 4th Avenue. God bless and have a great day.